you know, it's, it points to even why we are doing what we're doing. You know, why did we start Common Ground, officially launched at Easter? Why are we doing this? We're doing this because we live in a world that's hurting and, and lost, and we live in a city that is very lost, and we want to make a difference. Um, but it starts with us. We're not, the church wasn't given to the world just to change the world. Initially, we were saved to glorify God. We were saved to worship. Jesus said eternal life is that you know the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. When Jesus picked his 12 disciples, he chose them to be with him as in close relationship and then to send them out to preach. There's an order there. And that's why we have this up, in, and out, that up, we want to connect with God. We want to worship. And on Sunday, that's what we want to do. We want the Holy Spirit to be here with us, and we are worshiping him. Um, and then the in aspect of us together. And here, summertime, we're not doing our outpost groups. And so it kind of feels like the in can be lacking. And, and that's true. And so it takes a little more effort for us to get together. So Wednesday, 6 to 8, we're going to have a barbecue at our house. Please come to that. Um, but it's also going to be a time of prayer. We're going to have a barbecue and prayer when we were even considering doing this church plant, we spent a lot of time in prayer and we had people over. Some of you were part of that. You came and we just prayed in our backyard for what God would do. And we want to continue to, to pray and connect. Um, and then out, going and making a difference in the world as we hear about the pain. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. And so we want to bring it to them um, and let the Holy Spirit use us to do his thing. So that leads us into what we're talking about today is the second week in our freedom series. Freedom last week, obviously 4th of July was Monday, and so we wanted to talk about freedom. And for me, the first thing I think about with Christian freedom is freedom from sin. Um, freedom from the penalty, but also from the enslavement to sin. But then there's another aspect of that freedom that we're going to talk about. But I wanted to ask this. I want you to think about it. Do you feel more free now than you did before you were saved? Do you feel more free? Or even compared to a year ago in your walk with Christ, do you feel more free or less? And we have to define freedom a little bit. We have to think about freedom because we as Americans define freedom a lot of times through our American lens, meaning we get to do whatever we want. <laughs> I'm free, meaning I have rights. And that's a lot of where we go with our freedom, my rights. And you can't infringe on my rights. And you see that even coming in with the, the church, um, voting, you know, all of that democracy stuff. That's how we view freedom. Well, you know, you don't even see some of that in scripture, but we view freedom through our American lens. So what is freedom? And it comes down to what Jesus did for us on the cross, that he set us free. And are we free to do whatever we want? Well, obviously not. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so if you're a note taker, actually, we forgot to hand those out. If you want notes, they're on the back. Callie, will you hand some of those out? If you're a note taker or uh, raise your hand if you want notes. I apologize, I didn't put those out. Don't be shy. Don't be ashamed. It's okay. <laughs> that was my bad, my fault. Um, also, though, we have the app, Common Ground Carson. The notes are on the app. If you're a techie, you can even fill in there. Um, there's even a note section at the end. You can fill in lots of notes, email it to yourself. Um, but I, I started with really our main point, and this is in those notes, that the way to experience Christian freedom is to walk in love as produced by the Holy Spirit in you. And last week, we talked about freedom from sin. And so we had an illustration, if you remember, and Elise, my daughter, was up here, and we chained her to this ball and chain. <laughs> yeah, there's a picture of last week. Way to go, David. 
So she was chained to this, and, and she, she did great trying to walk across the stage. Um, but she was chained to sin, and that's our lives before Christ. We have to sin. We're enslaved to sin until Jesus sets us free. And so I, I do want to continue this illustration a little bit. So I need like maybe five kids or so. Anybody want to? Yeah, come here, Solomon. Come here, Shiloh. As many as want to. As many as want to. Come here. So you always want to. Now come over here. Everybody come over here. Nope, you're over here. So here's the idea. Now I'm just going to wrap this one around Shiloh here. Just kind of. Yeah, his ankle's too tiny. So here's the idea. And, and Shiloh is, is representative of everybody else. Yeah, come here, Amalia. And so here are people enslaved to sin. And they're stuck. You know, I am, I'm going to lock you up here, okay? No, you can't have the key. Only Jesus, only Jesus has the key. Okay, I'm not Jesus, but. So, you're locked up. Can you get away? No? What's that? New discipline, yes. Oh, and even this, it's kind of too heavy to carry around. But so before we know Christ, all we can do is sin. Even doing good things, we're doing them in our own effort, not for the glory of God, not in the power of the Holy Spirit. Even those are filthy rags, the Bible says, if it's done in our own strength. But Jesus sets us free. And Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Paul writes that it's for freedom that Christ set us free. But here's what happens sometimes. Now, we're going to pretend we're all free. So everybody come over here. You're free from sin. The chain has been broken. Now come over here. Yes, Emily, that's great. You see her? Okay. <laughs> but what we tend to do is we tend to, we can be set free, but then we pick up another weight. So we, we pick up that and, and now we have to carry this around. So we, we kind of set ourselves into another enslavement and it's called legalism. That's what we're talking about. Legalism or law that you're made right with God or you gain favor with God. We're going to see more about this by doing certain things. And the thing about law or legalism is the person that's legalistic, they don't like to be alone. So they hand it to other people. They really like other people to be stuck. Now grab, grab, grab another one. Hand that to somebody else. Now don't drop it on your toes. It's not super heavy. Pass that one on. That one's a little heavier. Give that one to Shiloh there. Oh, it's heavy. Don't drop it. Hand that one back there. And then give that one to Solomon. Okay, so now we, we pass this other weight of legalism around, and we carry this around, and it's something we choose to. Now, Emilia, you don't have one. And I want you to come over here and do what you were doing before. So here's, here's a church. Here's a group of, yes, get up here and do that. And they're all carrying around this extra weight. And you got Emilia over here. Can you do a cartwheel? No, maybe, no, you're wearing a skirt. Don't do a cartwheel. Um, but, but they're looking at her and look how free she is. You're free, right? You can do whatever you want. Woohoo! You know, we're free. And this, I think, is what Jesus meant when he said, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And Paul says it's for freedom that Christ set us free, not to pick up another weight of religion or legalism. Thank you, guys. You can put those down, and I'll put them back together in a little bit. You do have to put it down. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Now you're all free, so you all have to dance back to your seats like Emilia, because now none of you is a slave to legalism or sin. <laughs> so. so that's just a little kind of illustration to start us off of what we have a tendency to do. And we're going to be in Galatians 5. So turn to Galatians 5. 
Um, if you have one of these Bibles, it's page 673. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and Tony will bring you one. Right here, awesome. Um, by the way, if you turn and look, we got a, we got a bunch more Bibles in um, and they're on the back. Any of the white Bibles, you're free to just take, even if you wanna give them away. Um, but we also got a couple books that are for sale. Um, we wanna give you resources for you to grow. So there's like Mere Christianity, The Knowledge of the Holy. And we're gonna add to that family devotionals, personal devotionals that we think will help you in your, in your walk. Um, and those will be for sale for donation, but um, we wanna make those available. Also, there's some good Bibles. So there's these Bibles and you see the back has already fallen off of mine. So if you want one that's more of a leather bound, those are there too, um, or you can hop on Amazon. But we just wanna make that available to you guys because it's all about the word. It really is. It's about going to God in his word. So Galatians 5. And if you are here, um, before the service started, we were talking, I don't know how many of you noticed the video going on. And the video, uh, we don't have time or I'd show it again, but it was Footloose. You guys remember 1984, Kevin Bacon dancing? It was awesome. <laughs> um, We'll turn it back on after. So we'll show it again after the service. But he pulls up in his VW Bug and he's got a beer and he's smoking. Um, and, he's, and then there's this image of the, the pastor in town who's like, no dancing, we don't have that going on. And, you know, and he's drinking and smoking and dancing. So I mean, there's kind of a picture there though of how we can tend to view the church of, okay, now you become into the church and we put all these rules on you and you have to follow these rules. And there's this picture then of it being very restrictive as we add these unbiblical standards really um, to it. And so that, that's a great movie anyway and great dancing. This should bring that style of dancing back. Um, but the question then too is, since we're free, should we go out and drink and smoke and do whatever we want like that? That's the question. And I think that's the question that Paul answers for us in Galatians 5. Again, this is our main point though. Listen to this. The way to live free is to walk in love as produced by the Holy Spirit in you. Let's look at Galatians 5, 1. And we're going to start with just the first half of 5, 1. It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Paul is, is starting out with this kind of simple statement, but there's so much there. Because all through the rest of Galatians, the first four chapters, Paul is talking about justification by faith alone. Meaning it's not about your works, you can't earn salvation. You can't earn uh, a standing with God. It's because of Jesus' work on the cross for you that he set you free. When we were at camp, who's going to camp tomorrow, by the way? Raise your hand if you're going to camp. Quite a few. Oh, Bethany's going to camp. <laughs> you're going to be so tired when you come home. Um, well, your, your speaker this week will do it different. But one of the things that I, I did when I was at camp last week is uh, I gave an illustration that everybody is drowning in sin. And everybody's going to die. And I asked them the question, the crowd, I said, who can save somebody that's drowning? And they had all these biblical and churchy answers some, but one person nailed it. They said, only somebody who's not drowning. I said, exactly right. Only someone not drowning can save somebody that's drowning. I said, who has not been drowning in sin? Is there anybody ever? Only Jesus. Jesus is the only person that has ever lived that wasn't drowning in sin, meaning he's the only one that could save us. And he did. He paid the penalty. He died on the cross. He gave his life as a propitiation. That means payment for our sins. He bought us. He bought you with his blood. That's what he did. So your freedom wasn't free. It cost Jesus his life. 
It cost him beating, crown of thorns, death, uh, some kind of separation. I don't fully understand it, but some kind of separation with the Father, um, which I don't get the Trinity, but there was something there that was significantly painful for Jesus, and he endured that to set us free. And whom the, the Son sets free has, is free indeed. And for freedom, Christ has set us free. It starts with our identity. Because I want to talk about how to live free. But it starts with our identity because he, he, this is a, a statement of something that Jesus did in the past. For freedom, Christ has set us free. He's done it. This is called justification. If you by faith have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and then been baptized, baptism doesn't save you though. It's just an evidence, right? Two were baptized yesterday. Very cool. Um, but so you're saved and you're made right with God. It's called justification. You're made right by Jesus's work. So for, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Earlier in the book um, of Galatians, Paul talks about we are adopted. We are sons and daughters of the king. We are heirs. And so that's kind of the picture we need to get in our head to begin with. You are a son or daughter of the king and you've been set free. This is your position. This is in your notes. Christian freedom always begins with a recognition of who we are in Christ. We are sons and daughters of the king. Now think about this, parents, do your kids have to earn your love or acceptance? Not if you're a good parent. <laughs> you know, we, we're human, we struggle, but you know, my kids don't have to earn my love. They're my kids. I love them no matter what. And we need to recognize that's how God views us. So you can't earn anything with them. You're accepted based on Jesus. That should give you a lot of peace, a lot of hope. Christian freedom always begins with a recognition of who we are in Christ. Now, Here's the context, though, that we need to get. In Galatia, who Paul is writing to, these are, in general, Gentiles, and they've been saved. They've come out of paganism. During that time, there wasn't anything like an atheist. Oh, there is no God. Everybody believed in a God, most of them many gods. And, and in their pagan religion, they would sacrifice. They would do all kind of horrible things to worship their gods, but they would do these things to earn the God's favor. And so if you, if you want, you know, the God of the harvest, you do these things to gain his favor. Oh, we need rain, so we'll go do this. And put God, that God, little g God, in our debt. And that's what they came out of. And now they're being saved. They're hearing the gospel, and this is really cool. And they're turning to Christ. They're forming a church. And there's these people called Judaizers. These are Jews that are now coming in saying, great, you've accepted Jesus. Now you have to become Jewish. Now you have to get circumcised, if you're a man. You have to go do all these things. You have to do the rituals. You have to observe the feasts. You have to become a Jew. And that's what Paul's writing against. He's saying, no, you don't. Don't do that. Don't go there. So for freedom, Christ has set us free. And these are the people listening to this. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So we're made right with God, justified. But now this is a command. This is called a, a present active imperative in the Greek. Stand firm, meaning it's happening right now. You are, you are supposed to do this. Stand firm. It's active, meaning your work not done to you, but you do it. Stand firm. And it's an, an imperative, meaning a command. So we are told, stand firm. Because you're free now, stand firm in your freedom and don't become a slave again. And now he's not talking about a slave to sin. He talks about that in Romans 6. He talks about that in Galatians. But now he's talking about the law. Don't be a slave now to legalism. Don't pick up these weights and haul them around because you're free from that. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Verse two, look, 
I, Paul, say to you, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. So one of the main things with Judaism is circumcision. And if you're a grown man and you become a Jew, you had to get circumcised. It's a lot easier when they're babies on the eighth day. But that was kind of the big sign was, was circumcision of entering into that. And he's saying, don't do it. Don't submit yourself back to this law. Don't step into that. Because if you do, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now, I want to I wanna look at us real quick. Because who here has ever been tempted to become a Jew? Maybe some of us. But in general, that's not what we struggle with. We don't have Judaizers coming in saying, you need to obey the Mosaic law. We'd laugh at that. Most of us. But we have our own religious legalism, don't we? The Christian church has its own set of, of regulations and things we can put. So I wanted to define legalism. Because I think legalism, I think that word more applies to our church, to us nowadays. And here's, here's legalism. Adherence to the letter of law rather than the spirit, meaning doing exactly what it says to do, but your heart's not really in it, in order to earn God's favor. Often this includes adding to scripture. Legalism is a mathematical formula. If I do this, this, and this, God owes me and he'll give me this. That's legalism. I'll do this, this, and this. He'll love me more. He'll accept me, what, whatever it is. That's legal. You're not doing it because just loving obedience. You're doing it to earn something from God. That's, that's legalism. And what traditionally have we seen added to scripture? And I, that's why I showed the foot loose because while he was you know, getting all mad, he gets out and I don't know why he went to dancing when he was mad, but um, I want to do that sometimes. So he gets out and he, he's drinking and, and he throws it and he's smoking. And then he has this picture of the pastor in town and he's, you know, no smoke, you know, no, no dancing. No. And that's often what the church has done is it set these rules. I went to, we went to school at Biola and Biola, you know, we had to sign a contract. There's certain things we wouldn't do. And, and I don't think we signed dancing, but we weren't allowed to dance on campus. It was so it was one of those things that was added in there because dancing leads to sex and so you shouldn't dance. But that's, but you can see the logic of some of these things. Really, we want to live pure, so let's set up these extra rules so we can do it. And so you can see how you can do that, but then it becomes the law in a community. Maybe drinking, you know, I, that one I've heard over and over, drinking, smoking. The Bible really doesn't say don't smoke. Or what about tattoos? You've probably heard that one. Don't get a tattoo. The Bible, the Bible doesn't say don't get a tattoo. There's something in the Old Testament, but in context, that's talking about um, something totally different. So we add these things on, this, this moral picture that isn't what God gave us, and that's legalism. And that's what we want to guard against. Um, two through four, this is in your notes. If you attempt to be right with God by actions, the sacrifice of Christ becomes powerless. And this is the point Paul's making in verse four, let me read verse four again. He says, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. It looks like he's saying you can lose your salvation. But remember, scripture interprets scripture. We don't believe you can lose your salvation. But what it is, this would be somebody who was allured by the gospel, uh, made a profession of belief, but didn't actually give over to it. And now they're seduced by the law and they start following that instead. 
if you think that you need to be right by what you do, then the sacrifice of Christ was no good because Jesus, that's why he died. The law, he says here in those verses that if you're going to be subject to the law, you have to obey all of it, not just a few things, all of it. Well, that was the whole thing in the Old Testament. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do all of them. And so somebody that's gonna try is destined to fail. That's why Jesus came. That's why the new covenant, that's why the law existed to show you you couldn't do it. The law gave a standard of morality and said, live up to this. They couldn't do it. So they had a sacrificial system to cover that until the Messiah would come and he would change it all. And so Jesus died to set us free from that. So if we go back to legalism, the sacrifice of Christ is powerless because we obviously don't trust it. We don't trust it if we feel we have to do things now. And this is somewhat seductive. It's not the gospel, but it's seductive because isn't it kind of nice to know the things you have to do? <laughs> we want a checklist. If you're a, if you're a list person, just give me a list and I'll live by it. Go to church Sunday morning, done. Sunday night too, okay. Wednesday night too, okay. You know, what else do I need to do? And you start just checking off and you feel you're good because of all the things that you do, this outward appearance but inside the heart hasn't changed. And I think, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think American Christianity, I think in large part we're stuck on religion and these dues without a heart change. You know, how is it that our churches can just get older and older and older, but never grow and never, never actually go share their faith, never engage in evangelism, don't have any heart for their cities? How can that happen? That we, we as a church, and we're in danger of this too, that we become a church and then we become about us oh, next we need a building, so let's build a building and it's about us and us and us. And we can get stuck on that rather than the heart of Christ. When we truly turn to him, we're set free. We're set free to serve him. We're set free to not be about us. Back in Galatians 3, verses two through three, Paul says this. He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law? or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? What he's saying is, when you came to Christ, you understood that it wasn't your work, it was Jesus on the cross, but now you think you're gonna be perfected by following a set of rules. He said you were saved in the spirit by Jesus, you're gonna be sanctified, that means made more like Jesus by his work in you, not by works of the law. He actually calls them fools. <laughs> Are you being so foolish to think that it's now up to you? Now you just pull yourself up by your moral bootstraps and behave? That's not it. And the battle here is with the flesh. And that's what he says in, in verse three, Galatians 3, 3. He says, Are you now being perfected by the flesh? The flesh, that word is sarks. That's talking about this body, but I think that's also talking about our soul, which is our mind, emotions, and, and our will by those things which sin still dwells. We saw that last week. Sin is still there. Are we going to, in our own strength, live morally? That's, that's his point. Remember, though, we said we're not free. This was last week. We're not free from the influence of sin, but we are free from our obligation to give in to sin. Now look at verse five with me. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Paul is a great theologian because <laughs> in here he subtly hits the three points of our relationship with Christ. One, justification, made right by Jesus. You're right with God. Two, sanctification, stand firm, progressive. As you stand in him, the spirit will make you more like Jesus. And then here, this is glorification. We wait, eagerly wait the hope of righteousness. 
meaning. I mean, what is righteousness? Righteousness is perfection. Righteousness is looking just like Jesus. We are right. And so we are made right positionally by Jesus, but now we're going to get there someday, but we're not there. And so we eagerly wait for something that's going to happen, meaning we're going to be perfected. When, when Christ comes back, shh. <laughs> when Jesus comes back, or when we die and go to be with him, we will be perfectly perfected. It's not going to happen in this life. If you think it is, then you're going to be stressed till you get there, or you're going to think you got there, and you're going to judge everybody else for not getting there. Instead, we eagerly wait for the righteousness that's going to be perfected in us. He's going to do that too. There's so much freedom that comes when you realize it's him doing it. He does all this good stuff. Christian freedom is experienced through the Spirit by faith. By faith. Look back at 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Uh, I think this is the anchor verse through this section. Your outward actions don't mean anything. That's what he's saying. Circumcision, uncircumcision, doing the things, they don't mean anything. But here's what does make a difference. Faith working through love. And what's the main one in there? It's faith. Love is a result of the faith. Because here we as Christians, we can go try and muster up love. (laughs) But that's not it. It's the faith in Christ that produces the love in us. Faith working in love. Not about actions. This is religion. And, And this, you know, okay, a lot of us here, we've gone to church for a long time. This can be confusing. Let's be honest. We think we have to go to church every Sunday. And we should. He says, don't forsake the gathering together. We think we should do these certain things. Don't get drunk. We shouldn't. But yet then we, we, we decide to conform to a pattern. And each church has its own pattern. Just so you know, we're, we're an early church. We're just starting out. We're trying to figure out what our pattern should be, kind of. But we're going to be in danger of a pattern. And somebody new comes in and goes, okay, spiritual maturity looks like that in this church. So I need to look like that. And then you can learn the lingo. <laughs> you can do all the right things and then you fit that pattern, you think you're mature and everybody else thinks you're mature and now we're all good because we all fit the same pattern. That's not the point. In fact, I think Christian freedom, here's what's beautiful. It frees you up to be more you, not to be a picture of somebody else unless it's the picture of Christ. We wanna become like Christ, but you're free to be more you. An example, if I went to a church and was brought in where, where maturity looked like um, Looked like stoic, <laughs> um, you know, gentle, not goofy. I'm goofy. God made me goofy. I like to be silly. I like to play. And if I was in a place where maturity wasn't that, then I would, I would have to pretend to be something I wasn't. God made me this way. I love kids. I love goofing around with you kids. That's how God made me. And I'm free to be that way. I'm free to be that way. I think that's what we're talking about. Here's Colossians 2:20 20 to 23. Paul writes this. He says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, meaning you've done it, again, you've died. Why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings, notice not biblical precepts and teachings, human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and Asceticism, 
and asceticism and severity to the body, but are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You can set up a bunch of rules for yourself, but it won't help you live holy. The rules won't do it. That's his point. Then what does? And he goes on in, in Colossians 3.1. He says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Here it is. The answer is not rules. The answer is pursuit. The answer is not setting up moral boundaries around yourself. The answer is in pursuit. What are you pursuing? That's where the answer is. Where are you pointed? Where are you going? If you are pursuing Christ, uh, you know, our, our mission statement to expand the kingdom of God in our lives and the world around us. If that's what I'm pursuing to expand his kingdom in my heart and in the world around me by his strength, then I'm not going to be seduced by these other things. It's pursuing by faith resulting in love. What are we pursuing? Remember last week we, had, we talked about a tool. Where do you present yourself? Do you present yourself as a tool for God to use or as a tool for sin to use? Freedom, this is in your notes, is not experienced by creating rules or creating the outward appearance of holiness. Freedom is experienced when we pursue God in love. Not religion. Not rules. Why do I do things for Callie? Because I'm head over heels in love with her. Not to earn anything from her. I think it's the same with our walk with Christ. Why do we do? There's a morality laid out in the New Testament. There is a, a spiritual law in here. I think the Ten Commandments still apply. But we do it because we're head over, in, head over heels in love with the Father who adopted us, not to earn anything. Faith is the key. Trusting God. Love is the result. We live by faith, not law. True faith will be evidenced by love, which also results in obedience from the right heart. Skip down to 13 and 14. Verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We're free. We're not free to gratify the flesh. Remember Romans 6.1. If there's grace when we sin, how about we, we sin all the more so more grace will, will be given out. He says, may it never be. You're dead to sin. So here, we're called to freedom. Don't use that freedom as license. So the example for me, there was some time ago, I, I was chided by somebody for wearing jeans to church. Somebody came up and they're like, you, you know, it's, it's, I don't even remember the words, but you, you can't wear jeans to church. It's not holy. It's not, and I'm like, I handed him my Bible. I said, show me. <laughs> you know, wh where's that? Um, but then we come to this one. You were called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So now I'm free to wear jeans. I'm free to wear shorts. I'm free to wear a tank top, I guess, if I want. I, I, we're free. But what would I do in love? Would love maybe have me stop wearing jeans because of that person's weakness. And the Bible does call that weakness. Somebody who has all these, it is a weakness, but also love probably wouldn't have me point out to them that it's a weakness. Do you get that? That would be pride on my, that's not freedom. Love may be, or love may continue to wear the jeans and try and help that person along in love, not to prove to them that I'm right. Does that, does that make sense at all? Are you getting that? We make decisions based on love, not based on our freedom of what we get to do. Although we could, although we could. 
but verse 14, he says, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he's quoting Jesus. Remember, Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, that you love your neighbor as yourself. It's all summed up in love. And remember, what is love? We defined this a few weeks ago when we talked about marriage. Love is doing what's best for the person loved when they least deserve it at great personal cost. That's love. That should be the filter in which we use to make decisions to do things, is this loving. And you have to have faith first because faith leads to that love because sometimes acting in love means you, you don't control the other person as much as you might like and you have to have faith that God's gonna handle them. True Christian freedom sets me free to serve others in love while showing grace rather than placing an unbiblical moral standard on them. There's a lot here. I, I hope we're getting this though. I hope we're getting this. Look at verse 15. This is our last verse. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I think he's talking here about what happens when legalism and law does become how we live. We bite and devour one another. Have you ever seen this in a church where legalism becomes it? And if somebody else is not lining up with the standard, then, then they're judged, they're slandered, they're bite and devour. That's what it looks like. And we, hey, listen, we're still in these bodies. We still struggle with our flesh and we will bite and devour one another unless by faith we're walking with Jesus and love is the result. Love if I love you, I'm not going to expect you or, or demand that you live up to a certain standard. In love, if I see sin in your life, I'm going to come alongside and try and help you. But it's not judgmental. It's not condemning. It's encouraging. It's loving. Application. In, in my notes, as I was thinking, how does this apply? In bold, I just said, it's not about me. It's not about me. Ever. <laughs> I'm free from me. I am free from what others think about me. I am free from having to have a great reputation. As long as I'm good with God, I'm free. I'm free to be wronged. I'm free to not get my rights. And that's a lot of freedom. That's great. I'm free not to be successful by the world's standards. I'm free not to be wealthy. I'm free to trust. I think that's what Christian freedom is. Freedom from self. It's not about me. It's not about me. Now, here's some things. If you struggle with alcohol, by all means, don't drink. <laughs> There's wisdom in that. Let, let wisdom decide some of the things you do. If you struggle with things, don't do it. Don't do it. But at the same time, don't set that law on somebody else. They might not struggle the way you do. Callie and I were, were sitting on the porch the other night, and we were just thinking, we are just talking about freedom. We are saying, what if, what if we were perfectly free? <laughs> And we have everything we need. We have the spirit in us. But what if we were free? And we're just talking about, you know, somebody slandering or whatever. Why do I care about this lie that's told about me? Why do I care? Because there's a piece of me that's still alive. <laughs> there's a piece of my old man that is still going, no, there's justice. People need to view me accurately. Or somebody else. People view somebody else incorrectly. Well, I need to set that straight. You know, everybody thinks David is a great singer. I need everybody to know he's not a great singer. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, you see that, you know, we have this sense of justice that people need to view us correctly. People need to view us, others correctly. And so we'll slander others. So they, you see that we're, we're free from that. It's not about me. And Callie and I were just thinking, what if we were free? 
that it didn't matter what people thought of us. <laughs> it didn't matter. I mean, we go to share our faith and I share and you, you may reject it, but it's not about me. It's about you. I'm going to share anyway. And what if we had a group of people that were all free? Oh my goodness. How exciting would that be? Truly free from sin and free from legalism. What would that look like? Just picture that with me a minute. If you walked into this room, full of all of us truly free, we're free to love. That's why I like the music we're singing today. We're free to love, we're free to serve. How could that group change this city and the world? It could, because Jesus would use us and work through us to do that. Let me pray and we're gonna close with a song and a half. <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ, because we belong to you, we're free. And I, I do pray, if there's anybody in here who has not given their life to you, they have not submitted to you as Lord, they're not free. They're not free from sin, but they can be free. I pray that they would give their life to you today. But God, for the rest of us, show us where, where maybe we are living by law or legalism. If we're not feeling the freedom, and I don't want to be all about feelings, but if, if we're not free, Holy Spirit, reveal that to us and set us free in you. Set us free to serve you, to love you. This is an exciting life that we have. All the things going on in the world, it is even more exciting. I, I was told that Russia just passed the law that, that you cannot tell anybody about Jesus unless you're within a state-approved church building. We're getting to the day. It's coming to the end. It's getting harder and harder, Father, but we trust you in it. Let us be bold in the midst Father, we cannot be just ho-hum Christians. We cannot be just Sunday Christians. We need you every day, all the time. We want to pursue you in faith, resulting in love. And we want to be changed. We want to bring that freedom to others. Please use us. Please, please use us. Set us free so we can help others be free as well. Be glorified this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>